Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask Pastor Mike, would you just come and pray over me? Pray over the church. Amen. Uh, just pray that God would give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. Let's lift our hands as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're, we're in your presence now, and we ask, we humbly ask that you would push aside every distraction. Lord, we rebuke the devil and just the lies that he's spoken this morning, the circumstances that some of us are facing right now. Father, we look to you as our provider and as your protector, God. Lord, we pray even now that hearts would begin to be opened up, that ears would begin to be opened up, Father. Minds would be able to be ready for the word that's about to be planted. Father, we pray for an anointing over Pastor God that every word that comes out of his mouth will be a sword and it will pierce every lie of the devil, God. Lord, that it would help rebuild the foundations of families this morning. Lord, that it would help rebuild hope in our lives, Father. Lord, those watching in live stream right now, Father, that their homes would be filled with your presence this morning, God. We need a touch from you, Father. We need a word from you in this new year, God. Lord, we know in 2020, Lord, that there was all kinds of things that we want to leave behind. But Lord, in this new year, we look to you. We look to your word, which is unchanging. We look to your promises, God, which are sure. And Father, we pray that truth would reign this morning in our hearts. We pray that as we leave this morning, Lord, that whatever situations we go to, that we would bring our living in darkness. God, that you would make us salt this morning. Lord, that we would help preserve in this season, Father, in our nation, Father. Lord, we, again, we pray for a boldness over our pastor, God. We pray, Father, that you would put this word on his lips, God, and it would go out in boldness and authority, God. Lord, we come before you this morning with the authority of Jesus Christ to push back the darkness, God, in our community and in our nation, Father. We pray that you would anoint our workplaces this morning. We pray that you would anoint our families, those who are lost this morning, God. Lord, that this message would just come and it would be, it would be planted so deep within us, God, that as we begin to fast this week, that, Lord, it would begin to grow and produce fruit in our lives, God, that it would become an overflow, as you said in Romans 15, 13, that we would abound in hope this morning, that we would overflow in hope this morning, Father. You are our hope this year. And even though things might not be changing around us, Lord, you never change, Father. And we need your truth this morning to help us, God. Lord, we open our hands in expectancy, waiting for you to speak, God. We're ready. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you. Just um, want to look at a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. At the end of our service, we have some announcements. We'll take time to worship the Lord with our giving, but I just thought this would be good, a good time after such a sense of the presence of God and the peace of God in this place to, to look into the scriptures. Uh, God's word is powerful. It's truth. It's, it's his word that is settled in heaven forever. Um, times change, the culture changes, laws change, people change, but God's word 
never changes. And uh, we, we love God's word here, and we, we preach and declare it, and we hold it up as preeminent above every other teaching, every other book, every other thing. There's nothing like the word of God. Amen. We want to begin the new year with faith and expectation. And the word of God is what produces that in our life. It produces faith. It produces expectation. It produces a hunger when we see what God has done, what God has done in the past. Uh, we know when we see that God will, will do it again. Amen? And in Second Chronicles chapter 20, I just want to use this passage of scripture and, and kind of intertwine some of some vision for the new year, some things that um, I believe that God wants uh, us to do as a church and to be a part of as a church. And please understand that if you're here this morning, if you're watching by live stream, uh, we trust that you are really a part of the church because the fact of the matter is, biblically, scripturally, you have to be a part of eight of a local church, a part of it, not just a well-wisher, not just a visitor, um, but it's, it's, it's necessary for your spiritual growth and development. And so I say all that to say, hear my heart, hear what the Spirit wants to say to the church today. God, give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to perceive. Second Chronicles chapter 20 is a passage of scripture I've preached from before. And I made it a purpose that as I was developing this message, reading it, praying over it, that I would not refer to any of my notes. Not that that would be wrong, uh, because I've studied a lot, and uh, it's good to just go back and, and, and look at what you studied. Uh, but I just felt like God saying, you know what, I just want you to walk through this passage of Scripture and, and share from your heart and communicate the truth of the Word of God. And I believe God has something for us this morning. Uh, how many of you have ears to hear? Amen. I'm not talking about uh, that which is on the side of our heads, uh, but I'm talking about spiritual ears, really, to listen. Jesus would say that a lot in his ministry. He would be speaking life, he'd be speaking truth, but he would be saying times, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. And so may God tune our ears today. May we not just hear with the natural ear, but may we hear with the spiritual ear. Amen? So 2 Chronicles um, chapter 20, um, I'm going I'm to read 30 verses, but I'm going to read them as we walk through it. And I'm going to read uh, verses 1 and 2, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a king of Judah. He was a godly king. He was leading God's people, God's church, if you will, in the Old Testament. A godly man, a man who had led the people uh, in, in reforms, in expansion, in development as a nation, as the people of God. And he hears a report. The Bible says in verse 2, some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is en Gedai. The Bible says that a great multitude was coming against Jehoshaphat. 
He was overwhelmed by the report that he was hearing of nations that were coming against him. Now, the reality of life, the reality for you and I today is that testings, trials, and difficulties will come. They came in Jehoshaphat's life. Here he was, a godly king. And if you read verse 1, it said, Hap it happened after this. It happened after this. What happened after this? The trials came. The difficulties came. The opposition came. After what? It was after he had made some good choices. After he had made some decisions to honor God. And you know what? The reality of it is, sometimes when you make some choices to do what's right, to go forward, to honor God, to please God, troubles will come. Difficulties will come. You see, the devil comes to tempt us, to destroy us. But the Lord brings trials to develop us. God is using the difficulties. I don't know about you, but I look back at 2020, and I have seen in my own life, I grew spiritually. It was one of the most difficult, challenging times in life and ministry for all of us. But you know what? I grew spiritually through that time. God used the trials, the difficulties to develop me, to develop you, and that's what his purpose is. 1 Peter chapter 4, 12, Beloved, do not think it is strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to me. Isn't it funny he uses that terminology and that wording, some strange thing. Don't think it's strange. How many times you and I, we go through something, I can't, but why is this happening? What is going on? Like we, we're so perplexed. Peter says, don't think it's strange. But rejoice. Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Rejoice when you suffer. So in church services, in the house of God, the people that should be rejoicing and praising God more than anyone else should be the ones that are going through the greatest trials. Isn't that what the word says? Rejoice! Be exceedingly glad. James 1.3, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You all seem very excited about that this morning. Tried, testing, tribulation. You see, here is Jehoshaphat, and the Bible says a great multitude was coming against him. It wasn't just one trial. How about 2020? It wasn't just one trial. It was a multitude of trials. It wasn't just COVID. It was children had to stay home for homeschool or, or to be schooled uh, through Zoom. Parents had to juggle all of that. The stress of work, the pressure of working in the healthcare industry, the, the, the stress and of finances, overwhelming. A great multitude came against Jehoshaphat. 
A great multitude of trials has come against the people of God in 2020. But it's come to make us stronger. It's come to develop us. It's come to mature us. It's come to purify us. It's come to make us better. So what happened with Jehoshaphat? Verse 3. And Jehoshaphat, after he heard the news, Jehoshaphat feared. He feared. What is fear? It's an unpleasant emotion of feeling triggered by the belief or perception that something or someone is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. For Jehoshaphat, it was enemy nations that had come and they were bent on the destruction of the people of God. What is fear? Fear is an unpleasant feeling triggered by the perception of danger, real or imagined. Think about 2020, the fear that we all felt. Think about the fear that we experienced. Much of it was real, much of it was not real. It was imaginary. It was, it was the enemy of our soul trying to paralyze us and immobilize us. Someone has given the acrostic or the acronym for fear, false evidence appearing real. You see, for us, 2020, there was the fear of getting COVID. It was the fear of financial collapse. Maybe for some of you, it's the fear of failure. Fear of being alone, fear of maybe some being left out in the, of the crowd. Fear of sickness or disease, fear of, of a loved one dying without Christ. For some, they look at the signs of the times and it's the fear of the end of the world. You see, fear could be real or it could be an imaginary emotion. For Jehoshaphat, the Bible said he feared. Now please understand, this is a great king. He was prosperous, he was successful, he was a leader of a nation, uh, he had, he had uh, influence and in, in relationship with other kingdoms in the world. So this wasn't just uh, some spiritual weakling. He was a man of God, but he feared. And the question is this morning, what do you do with your fears? This is critical because we all fear. We all fear at times. That's why the Bible has... So many fear nots in the scripture. 365, someone has said. One for every day of the year. Actually, someone says 366. One for every day of the year and also for leap year. I don't know. If you want to do that for extra credit, count how many fear nots in the Bible. Don't just Google it. Fear is real. So the question is, what do you do with your fears? What do you do with your fears? Do you withdraw? Give up? Play the victim? Be immobilized? Pull the, pull the covers over your head and stay in bed? Do you blame others? Do you withdraw from life? The reality of it is people in the Bible feared. Jehoshaphat feared. It's not the issue of whether you fear, it's whether you let fear control you. Do you let it control you? 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. For 2021, let us confess that. Let us declare that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power 
of love and of a sound, sound mind. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Jehoshaphat, the Bible says, when he heard the news, he feared. But I'm glad he did. But you know what the Bible said? He set himself to seek the Lord and to lead the nation in a fast. This was a desperate situation. Verse 12, look what he says. Oh God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this, multitude, this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. Have you ever been there? Overwhelmed by your circumstances. And you, you come to the realization after you have researched, after you have gotten counsel, after you have looked this way and that way, you have no answers and you don't know what to do. Jehoshaphat was at that place, but I love what he says. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you, God. God, we're, lo we're at a loss, God. We're, we're confused, we're confounded, but God, we look to you. Let me tell you, you are never at a loss when you have a God that you can look to. You are never out of it when you have a God you can turn to. And, and I know some of you that are watching by live stream, some of you that are here today, you have some desperate situations in your life. But you know what someone once said? Desperate times require desperate measures. Desperate times require desperate measures. I am amazed sometimes as a pastor. Some people have, have some real serious, serious Problems, whether they're life-controlling addictions, whether they're marriage problems, whether they're financial problems, and, and maybe, maybe things of their past. And they are so, so uh, uh, desperate, so, so difficult, beyond, beyond human help. They need God, but they don't turn to him. They don't seek him. That desperation doesn't translate into desperate measures. See, for, for Jehoshaphat, he knew that he had to seek God, but he also knew that he needed to add a little more weight to his prayers. He had to add a little bit more, and that was in the, in the mean, by the means of fasting. We call the church to fast every new year to set the stage for the whole year. The, the times of prayer and fasting at Victory, it's part of our culture. We have done it from the beginning of the church. We've done seven-day fast, 21-day fast, Daniel fast, absolute fast, water fast, juice fast. I mean, we've done it. It's just a part of our culture because I know, and as I lead this church, I understand the critical importance, and, and many of you uh, understand that also, that to seek God sometimes, you need to fast, to deny yourself such a, a way that you show your desperation to Almighty God. And here was Jehoshaphat. He calls the people of God to a season of prayer and fasting. What is fasting? It's denying yourself physical food to seek God for spiritual food. What is fasting? It is denying the needs of your physical body for the greater need of your spiritual body. Fasting is the willingness to say no to your flesh, to say no to one of the greatest desires we all have, food. We have become a nation, a people that don't eat to live. 
but we live to eat. We love food. And the reality of it is we can't get enough of it and we can't go to the finest restaurants and we can't eat the richest foods and, 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 and it never ends. More and more and more. And when you and I get serious enough to say no to our flesh and doesn't the Bible say that you need to mortify your flesh, your old nature, you see, that's a tough thing in our culture, in our, in our day, in our age, and in this country where, where we have forgotten the concept of discipleship, of, of discipline, of living a life that we honor God with our body and we learn how to say no to our flesh, whether it's in the area of, of food or in the area of what we want, pleasures or, or desires, uh, and things that are obviously out of the will of God, uh, because we've not learned how to say no, we've opened ourselves up to so many temptations and so many other sins and addictions. So here is Jehoshaphat. He's calling the people. He's calling the nation to a time of prayer and fasting. As a church, I am calling you to seven days of prayer and fasting beginning Wednesday. You probably, I'm sure you received a half sheet. There's some information uh, out in the foyer. We'll have it on the uh, Facebook this week. But seven days consecrated to God. Nightly prayer, 6 to 7.30, even Wednesday night. We're going to change the time for Wednesday night for uniformity's sake. Seven, 6 to 7.30 every night, 7 Seven days of prayer and fasting. Now, for some of you that have never fasted before, a day will be a sacrifice. Some of you who have done a day before, three days will be a sacrifice. Some of you that have been around long, uh, you've, you've done fasting, seven days is a consecration. But I call this church, hear me, I call Victory Church to prayer and fasting. If we've ever needed to hear from God, it's now. If we've ever needed to seek God, it's truly now, more than ever. And to pray, to pray. Look at, look at the king's prayer. I want to show you something in this verse of scripture, uh, verse 6. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you. Are you not our God, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built it, built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, such as the sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before you, before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. He just declares that. He knows it to be true. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of our possessions, which you have given us to inherit. If you look at this king's prayer, it is thoroughly saturated with scripture references from the Pentateuch, that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, 
There are references from the time of David, from the time of Solomon, from the prophets. What does that tell us? It tells us that the king was thoroughly acquainted with God's word. So that when he prayed, he was able to pray in the language of the scriptures. There's no greater way to pray than to pray according to what God has recorded in his word of men and women who have prayed in times past. We are now praying in accordance with the will of God. And you know what the Bible says? When we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. Hallelujah. So there's no greater wording to prayer than praying the word. So how can you pray the word? You must know the word. I told you before my children would say to me when, when I had promised them or told them we were going to go such and such a place or do such and such, something they wanted to do, and if I, if I hesitated or didn't follow through, they would say to me, but you said. That was, for, for a child, that is the most eloquent uh, and greatest logic that you could have. For a child to tell their parent, but you said, what are they doing? They're holding me to my word. And what we do when we pray the word of God, we are holding God to his word. But Father, you said, God, you promised. You said if I would seek you, I would find you. If I would search for you, you'd reveal your will to me. If I seek you, you would deliver me from my fears. If I pray, you would be there. If we pray according to the will of God, we have that confidence. Now very practically, listen to me this morning. You know, we can preach great messages. You know, we can say a lot of good things and you can enjoy the church service, but you cannot grow deep in your relationship with God without reading the word of God, without studying the word of God. So, so if, again, if you're going to be a part of victory, be a part of victory. Get plugged in to a life group. What happens in a life group? You get to connect with others and you get to connect with God in his word. And that is critical in the day and age that we're living in. It's time for us not just to play church, to just come to church on Sunday morning. You are getting quiet on me this morning, but it's still the truth. Hallelujah. Reading the word. We have promoted these Bibles. This is an amazing tool. I am proud to present this. I am proud to... to, to uh, encourage you and make this available because I know that I've talked to a lot of well-meaning Christians all over, not just from Victory Church, well-meaning good Christians that don't regularly read the Bible. This is a tool that will get you through the Bible 15 minutes a day. God, help us. When we call ourselves children of God, we say we love the Lord, we say we're on our way to heaven, but we spend more time on social media than we do in the Word of God. We make excuses. We, 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 we're very eloquent in our arguments and why we don't do this and why we don't do that. But at the judgment seat, God's going to use Facebook as a theological weapon against you. What, you know what he's going to say? It wasn't an issue of time. Don't give that excuse, I don't have the time. We have the time for the things we want to do. Come on, somebody say amen. Turn to the person next to you. Say the pastor's getting fired up, but he loves you. Get into the word. Buy this. This isn't a fundraiser. We're selling this for cost. It's not about a fundraiser or, or trying to promote a book or somebody's book. This is the book. 
buy this. Get into it. Read through the Bible. Get into a life group. You see, Jehoshaphat had effectiveness in prayer because he knew God's word. You know, how did, how did Jesus conquer the devil? The wilderness of temptation. Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. You know what he would say? It is written. You know how Jesus himself, he used the word of God as a weapon against the devil, and the devil could not withstand him. You know, he didn't, he didn't, Jesus didn't use a, a, a Facebook post. Oh, I like that song, that hill song. And the, Satan, fear is a liar. Uh, you know, uh, I, I like that song. And no, no, he used the word of God. It is written. He didn't, you, you know, you have authority when you take God's word and you use it. Why? Because it's a sword. It's the sword of the spirit. And when you use it with authority, the devil must back up. Jehoshaphat, when he prayed, he prayed according to the word of God. We're also going to be having the book of Revelation, verse by verse, on Tuesday night, starting January 19. The book of Revelation is the revelation from Jesus Christ. If you read it, it is the revelation from Jesus Christ. But not only is it from him, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of his plan, his person, and his program. The book of Revelation, studying it, promises a blessing. Chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep the, those things which are written in it. The book of Revelation gives us assurance of the final victory of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, studying the book of Revelation will encourage and strengthen our faith that no matter what chaos is going on in the world, the church of Jesus Christ will ultimately be victorious. Can you say amen? amen. There's another issue that, that is critical in this divine drama of Second Chronicles chapter 20. We see in verse 4, the Bible tells us that they gathered from all the cities of Judah. Verse 13 says that all of Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. What is critical about this? We see a unity. We see a togetherness. There is a camaraderie amongst the nation that they came unified. It is so critical that our churches become unified. Be unified. Come together to further God's program, God's plans, God's purposes on the earth through Victory Church. There are a lot of great churches in the city, in the state of Rhode Island, around this nation. But you know what? God wants you to put your weight behind the local church you're a part of and to see that church grow, see that church prosper, its ministries, its outreach, everything it does. You and I ought to come into unity and be a blessing to reach, restore, and revive people. In the, in the book of Genesis chapter 11, we hear the story of the Tower of Babel. There was a unity that was so powerful, but this unity was around an evil purpose. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 11:6, this is God saying this, the people are one. 
What was God saying? They're in such unity. They are together in this. They're all working together. They're all pulling together. The people are one, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Wow. Wow. The power of unity. It was an evil unity, but, but nonetheless, the power of unity was evident that even God says whatever they purpose to do will not be withheld. Imagine if the churches, if individual churches would become unified. What a powerful force for Christ we would be. I remember many years ago hearing about a sports team. It was a baseball team and the... the, the Average or the, the uh, amount of players on a team is 25. And I remember this was, this was a great baseball team. They had tremendous talent. But you know what was said about them? That this was back years ago before Uber and Lyft. But when they left the stadium, they took 25 different cabs or taxis back to the hotel. And what was the point that was being made? They were saying that there was not a unity. There was not a fellowship. There was not a friendship. They all had their own ego, their own, you know, thought they were all great. And, and, and they, they, they all went back to the hotel, nobody connecting with one another. And you know that team never won a championship. Because it's not enough just to have talent. You could have a lot of good people, but if they're not unified, if they're not together, they will not accomplish much. I believe this church has accomplished what it is from a storefront because we had people who were unified, who were committed, who were consecrated, who wanted to work for God and came together and had a camaraderie. But I believe we need to have a renewed effort to become unified. You know, there are some practical things you could do. I'm going to talk to you right now. I'm done preaching for a minute. I'm just going to talk to you. You know what you can do? You could share... Facebook post from this church. You know, that don't mean anything. He goes in one ear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I know what I'm saying because you could say that and people, you post things about foolish things, but not about the plan and the program of Victory Church. Well, I don't, I don't like what they're... No, no, that, that's foolishness. Whatever's of God, Matthew Henry said, must be promoted. Promote what is of God. Invite people to church. Speak well of your church, even if you don't like your pastor. I know you all love me. You don't have to like me, but you've got to love me, the Bible says. Invite people to church. I know of some people who, who, who even during this Zoom time, during this time, others from other churches invited them to, to come a part of their group. And, you know, that's okay, fine. But at least have the same leadership and the same passion for your church to do the same. Hello? When you're in the pew, when you're in the pew, don't be on your phone. On social media. Break that addiction in Jesus' name. Start by in the church where you don't have to be on the phone. Lisa, get off your phone. No, she's on the phone. <laughs> Just kidding. She's on the phone for the church. <laughs> Pray for me. It's going to be a long afternoon. 
practical things. Celebrate your church. Celebrate others in the church. Be people who value other people, who rejoice with other people. The scriptures say, weep with those who weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. But you know what I have found? I have found it's a lot easier to weep with those that weep. You have to be of another ilk, another stuff to rejoice with those who rejoice. Why? Because you might not be blessed and they're getting blessed so it takes a lot of faith and a lot of love and a lot of grace and get out of yourself to be able to rejoice with somebody else that's blessed. My wife and I were with someone not too long ago and they were telling us of a possession they have and they downplay it because they don't want people to think oh they're a Christian and they own this or they own that and we said don't be like that. The haters are going to hate. Just rejoice in what God has done in your life. They don't want to rejoice with you. That's okay. But we should rejoice with one another. Because Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commands his blessing. Life evermore. What else happens in this passage of Scripture? I'm almost done. The prophetic is released. You see, when they come into unity, when they pray and fast, when they know the scriptures, look at verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah. The Spirit of the Lord begins to move in our hearts when God's voice is heard, and then God's voice can be heard. God speaks. Look, look what the word of God says. Verse 15. Listen, Saphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to hear the prophetic. We need to hear God's right now word. We need to hear God speak, declaring his word in the context of our spiritual condition. Do you know God can give you a word? The Holy Spirit wants to speak. Even in this service, I can say something, and the Holy Spirit can take that and reveal something more powerful than I even intended. You know, there are many times when throughout the week, somebody will text me or my wife or hear back or they'll tell me, Pastor, what you said Sunday really blessed me and they'll tell me what I said and I said to myself, did I say that? <laughs> but you know what it was? It was the Holy Spirit taking the word of God and, and speaking and ministering and touching the heart. God wants to do it if we ever needed to hear from the Spirit of God. What is God's word for our present need? What is God's word to our present season? The night that I got saved, July 29th, 1981, Mary, Mary was there. Mary, did you know you were there? A night that I surrendered my life to Christ, went to a house that Christians would be at after church on a Wednesday night. They would felt, it's an old-fashioned word we used to use, fellowship. Still a good word. And I knew people would be there, and I had been discipled 
Even before I got saved, I knew what it was to commit my life to Christ. I knew what repentance was. I knew what faith was. I knew what, you know, holiness was. I knew. So, so that night, I went to that house. And in my past, my, my brother and crime and issues, and there were some things that I was involved in. I had made some enemies, and there were some issues. I can't get into it all, maybe another time. But, but I had to look over my shoulder because of some things that were going on. And, and I went into that house. And I, I surrendered my life. I said, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to surrender my life to Christ. And you, I walked into that house. Mary was there. A few other people. David Ritchie was there. He's preached at this church. He was a part of this church for many years. He, he discipled me. He led me to Christ. And, and you know what? He, when, I, when I went into that room and I sat down and I committed my life to Christ and I had all these issues. And you know, when we come to Jesus, many times coming to Jesus, we have a lot of excuses why we can't come to Jesus. Right? A lot of issues. Well, what about this? What about my family? What about this? What about, you know, how do I get overcome that? We got all these issues. And, and see, that's why it's by faith because we got to look beyond that we got to believe God could work. So I walked into that room, sat down, committed my life to Christ, and David Ritchie prophesied. He looked at me and he said, the enemies you see today, you will see no more. The enemies you see today, you will see no more. And I began to see in the next few weeks and months, God working that out, that prophetic word was fulfilled in the very people that I had conflict and issues with. We ended up reconciling because I went to that very neighborhood where all the problems were. Or God sent me there to actually start a church. Can you believe that? That God will take the, the place of your shame, the place of your problems, and he'll make it your stomping ground. I'm telling you what God can do, all we need, and that's why we need to, to have this atmosphere that God can speak, that the Spirit of the Lord can declare things, that a prophetic word can come, because when that word comes, it changes everything. It changes everything, the atmosphere, the past, the present, the future. That's what God can do. And here was a nation under attack, enemy armies coming, overwhelming them, Israel, Judah was outgunned, outnumbered, but the prophet said, listen, you're not going to need to fight in this because God is going to fight your battle. And some of you need to hear that today. No matter what hell is coming against you, no matter what the devil is bringing your way, if you look to God, if you trust in him, you will not need to fight in that battle. The Lord will fight for you. Can you say amen? He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. Critical to hear God in this hour. Shut out other voices. Shut in with God. You know, during this pandemic, there was no textbook on how to lead a church during a pandemic. Uh, they didn't have that course in Bible college, Pastor Mike. How to lead during COVID-19. No textbook no blueprint, no, nothing to work with. So I told the staff we would pray and we would say, you know what, we just need to be led by the Spirit. 
We need to hear God. We need to be sensitive to God. We need to align with his word. We need to be under spiritual authority. It doesn't mean you do anything you want to do, but you've got to be in line. And you see, what happened is God gave us creativity. We did things this year that we never did before. God blessed our church, and I want to just say, the staff did a great job. Can we give God praise for that? And would you stand together with me? We're going to pray. But look what happened. Look what happened in this context. Verse 18, the Bible said, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Jude and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And then the Bible says that they consulted, uh, then the Levites of the children, the Kohathites, the children uh, of Korahites, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. And the Bible says that they began to sing, they began to praise, they began to worship, they began to honor God. This is how I fight my battles. This is how we fight our battles. Here was armies coming with weaponry, coming to, to kill the people of God. And you know what God's plan was? You're not going to shoot an arrow. You're not going to use a sword. But you're going to use praise and worship. And God turned the praises of the people of God into powerful spiritual weapons to defeat the enemy. The Bible says as they began to worship, look at, look at verse, verse 22, and when they began to sing, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes. The Lord worked. You see, what you don't understand when we lift up our hands and we begin to praise God and worship might not look like anything's happening, but God is working even when we don't feel it. God is working even when we don't see it. God is working even when we don't know it. But as we worship and as we praise, something happens in the spirit realm. Something dynamic, something powerful happens. God turns our praise into spiritual weapons. And then what do we see in the last few verses? God's blessings. Now when the, verse 24, so when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and they were all dead. Not only were they, they, they all dead, but they were, there was possessions, there were jewels, there were all kinds of provisions there. And God said, I want you to go and gather all. It took them three days to gather the spoil. How many of you know God blesses us at the end of the day? At the end of the battle, because that's what God does. I want you to lift your hands right now. I want you to commit yourself today to being the Christian that, that the word of God says we ought to be. Come on, I want you right now to make a commitment and a consecration. We're going to partake of communion. I want you right now, before we break open the emblems, right now to say, Lord, here am I. Lord, here I am to be what you want me to be, to do what you want me to do. God, work in me, Lord. Work your will in me. Have your way in my life. God, I pray today, Father, for the body of Christ here at Victory, that the Spirit of God would be at work through the Word, through the prayer and fasting, through all of our life groups, through all of our fellowship and our ministries, that Victory Church would experience great victory in 
2021, that it would be a year of breakthroughs, a year of spiritual growth, spiritual development, a year of the prophetic, a year of the blessing of God upon the church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you take a couple minutes right now to begin to praise God? You know the Bible says that they praise God with voices loud and high. Come on, do it right now. Take a moment. Come on, let's respond to the Word of God. Come on, if you believe what the Word of God says, if you believe what was preached this morning, Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, as they began to praise, the Lord set ambushes. Come on, the Lord is turning around things in your life. Come on, just like the word of the Lord was to me. Your enemies that you see, you will see no more. Come on, God's turning your ashes into beauty. Come on, God's turning the, the, the wilderness into the the Garden of Eden. Come on, God's turning your addiction into a life of freedom to help other people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, God is going to save family. God is going to save friends. God is going to bring salvation to our children in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice so they can hear you on live stream. Come on, lift your voice so they can hear you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise today. We give you glory today. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, some of you are waiting for church to be over. Come on, some of us are waiting for God to move. Come on, some of us are waiting for revival to break out in this church. Outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a fresh anointing. Oh, my cup runs over. Come on, an overflowing blessing. A cup running over blessing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, come on, loud and high. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come on, the word of God. Come on, the word of God says they begin to praise. Hallelujah. Oh, with voices loud, with voices high. Come on, if you need a miracle, come on, if you need a breakthrough, come on, if you need addictions to, to fall off of you, drugs, alcohol, Oh, fears, pornography, if you needed it to break off of you. Come on, if you need a healing in your marriage. Come on, if you need restoration in your life. 
come on, lift your voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give God praise. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. We give praise. We give praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody needs their mind right now to be set free. Someone right now in your mind, you're bound up by lies and by fears. Come on, God wants to smash that mindset. Come on, God wants to deliver you from that negativity right now in the name of Jesus. God has not given you that spirit. God's given you power. God's given you love. God's given you a sound mind. Right now, receive it. Right now, receive it. And healing will flow. Deliverance will flow. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I, I need to ask you to do one more thing. As many of you as you can to try to do your best to maintain social distancing. But just come forward. I want you to, to, to present yourself to the Lord right now. We're going to pray over you. Come on, we're, God's not done right now. I'm sick and tired of the time restraints that we put on a church service and we say, God, you got to move in these hour and 15 minutes. God, you got to do it on my time schedule. God does not work on your time schedule. He don't work on my time schedule. He is God. Let's let God be God in this church. Come on, I want to ask the singers and the musicians to come back right now. Come on, just come. We're going we're gonna to take a few more moments right now. Hallelujah. God wants to release the prophetic. God wants to release the miraculous. God wants to release faith in this place. Come on, that this morning, that there would be beauty coming where there are ashes. There would be the oil of joy where there is mourning. There would be a harvest where there's been a famine. There would be a newness where there's been deadness. Come on, let's, come on, let's just praise. Let's just worship. Come on, let's just reach out today. Come on, we're waiting on God. That's what we've come to do. That's what we believe in. Hallelujah. We believe in the power of God. We believe in what God can do, what God can say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.